Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson, and I am psyched about today's guest on the show. You know him. You love him. He's Clark Kellogg, CBS college basketball analyst. He played college basketball at Ohio State and in the NBA for the Indiana Pacers. He has a wife, three grown children, some grandchildren. You can follow him on Twitter, Clark Kellogg CBS. And he always joins us to talk basketball, faith, family, life. So we'll jump in to that conversation in just a moment. But before that, let me encourage you, check out our website, unpackingit.com. Be sure to subscribe to our weekday email devotional. We call it Unpack This for a quick encouragement, challenge, inspiration each weekday in your email inbox. You can subscribe for free by going to unpackingit.com. Also, do you need health insurance? We'll get quotes for individual health insurance plans at healthmarketgenius.com. That's healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Well, right now, let's jump right in with Clark Kellogg. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Clark, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? I'm doing fine, Bryce. Great to be able to hang out with you again. Always enjoy the visit. And I trust your 2020 is off to a good start. Man, it's it's already flying by. And, and the crazy thing is I'm already starting to plan March. And so I'm looking at dates and, <laughs> and you know figuring out different things going on personally and, and with the ministry and all that. But that, that also means that I'm, I'm basing my uh, some of my commitments to making sure I can watch March Madness, and so it's it's coming quick, and and of course then we get to see you and, and the guys and all the the great action. But for for many sports fans, you know we just came off the Super Bowl and NBA All Star, and and now it's finally kind of shifting our attention. All right, college basketball is heating up. So for everybody kind of joining the party a little bit late, how would you characterize the college basketball season so far? It's been rather chaotic. I would say chaotic drama has been part of the story so far this year. We've had, I think, seven different teams um, in the number one spot in the various polls, and we've had a ton of ranked teams lose to unranked teams throughout college basketball and all over the country. And I think it sets up for a really pretty competitive tournament based on what we've seen. We've got four teams, Bryce, that I think have separated themselves a bit to this point, Baylor, Gonzaga, Kansas and San Diego State. Mm. Um, both Baylor and San Diego State are still unbeaten. 
in conference play um, as we speak. And so those teams to me look like solid number one seeds going into the madness of March. And then after that, I think there's a group of teams in the two, on the two seed line currently on the bracket projections, um, Dayton, Maryland's part of that conversation, Duke, um, Florida State, Louisville perhaps. Um, and then after that, it really starts to get graped up, as I like to say. <laughs> Not a lot of separation between the rest of the squad. So I'm looking forward to it, as I always do, as we wind towards uh, Selection Sunday. Well, well, a couple of those names are somewhat surprising in that they're top five, top ten teams. And, you know, you think about Baylor and Dayton and San Diego State, and, and those are teams that we've seen, yeah. seen in the tournament, and they're great programs. But they've been up there for a good part of the season, and they're, these are legit teams. And you say, the, you know, at least San Diego State and Baylor have separated themselves. So, so for those fans that maybe are surprised to hear those names, how, how legit are they and, and why are they built for the, the tournament and not just being, you know, great regular season teams? Well, in particular, this season, they're clearly legit. When you talk about San Diego State, as we speak, they've won 20 six straight games. Baylor has won over 20 in a row. Um, They're for real. And in part, I think there's been an interesting convergence of what we've seen for the last 15, 20 years, Bryce, in terms of the early exodus of um, top-level first-year players Mm. across the landscape of college basketball pursuing their dreams of being NBA players. Um, the The transfer portal, where we've had well over 1,000 transfers, in this particular season makes a difference when some of these teams like San Diego State, like Baylor, are able to get really good players that are graduate transfers. Not only are they good players, they're also seasoned players. So both of these teams are older in that regard, specifically speaking of Baylor and San Diego State. Gonzaga has been a perennial power for the last 25 years, and certainly Kansas is one of the blue bloods of the sport. Um, But I think when you talk about those teams, Dayton, is older as well as talented. Mm. So I think it's a convergence of um, more good players across the country, first and foremost, and even beyond the country as you have some international players in the college game as well. But more good players spread out across more programs, top-notch players leaving school early, and then the transfer impact having a significant role in what we're seeing, I think, this particular season. Uh, I, I love it. It adds a lot of intrigue and, and cool to see some different names up there for sure. And, and you mentioned the, the transfer portal, and you, of course, have been around the game for a while. Do, do you like kind of where that's at and, and seeing more movement with, with some of the, the players switching teams? You know what? I am a mixed on it, but by and large, I'm for it. Okay. I think players should have the opportunity to explore other opportunities, particularly when you're talking to graduate transfer who – has already graduated in many cases, has another year of eligibility left. True. Um, may desire to explore or experience a different level of basketball than what he's played in his underclass in his uh, undergraduate years. Mm. Uh, may actually be interested in a graduate major that's not available at his school, although that, be, that has continued to be eroded as the reason for the rule being put in place uh, 15 years ago anyway. But, um, I like the fact that kids have an opportunity, particularly if they've graduated and still have a year of eligibility, to be able to explore where there might be a better fit for their last year of 
collegiate basketball experience. And so I'm for it. And I'm sure, you know, obviously there's some talk about the Big Ten and the ACC wanting to eliminate sitting out a year when you transfer. You're allowing all student athletes um, in many sports. I didn't I didn't know this until recently, Bryce, but in most sports outside of men's and women's basketball, football, and I think hockey, those are the only sports where if you do transfer with eligibility, you have to sit out a year. Mm. The other sports across the landscape, you can transfer with no penalty. So I'm hopeful that transfers will be allowed to leave without any penalty going forward. It may be a few years before we see that implemented, but I think it's fair. Coaches get a chance to change um, situations, whether it's by their choice or by the choice of the institution. Usually there's buyouts involved and from a financial standpoint, but movement should be um, free and clear without any significant penalty for the mover. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There are a lot of layers to it, but but I think yeah, for a 20-year-old kid to, to have to give up a year of playing just to wait, ah, that's tough. Yeah, you you want to see these guys yeah. get, get, get back out there for sure. Well, the, a couple of the other kind of big storylines in, in college basketball, to, to me, I look at some of the head coaches and some of the different programs and, and a couple that are, are struggling and then a couple that are doing well that I want to ask you about. And, and we'll start with, with UNC and, and Roy Williams. What, what do you make of, of the kind of disappointing season that they're having and, and Roy Williams' approach to it? Because his press conferences have been interesting. Some of his comments that he's yeah. made have been interesting. Uh, what, what do you make of, of his approach? Well, you know what? He's one of the iconic figures in college basketball historically and has had phenomenal success throughout his coaching career. I don't think anybody would argue that. And he's always been relatively candid. Yeah. And however you perceive or receive that on a personal level, I found it refreshing. Um, and he's clearly had a difficult season this year. And if you stay long enough in the business, whatever business it is, usually you'll have some years that aren't up to par. I mean, that's just the nature of, of time and the challenge of doing well and staying at the top. Um, there were some unexpected losses in terms of personnel that left a little earlier than Roy maybe anticipated. They haven't really been able to restock the pantry this year in terms of North Carolina-type talent. Clearly, Cole Anthony is a significant player, um, but was injured and has missed several weeks. Um, So the pieces just haven't been as talented as you've come to expect North Carolina teams to be, and that tends to lead to disjointed and inconsistent performance. And frustration becomes part of that when you're accustomed to playing at a certain level. And Roy has just been quite open and candid about expressing this frustration. And when you've had the track record he's had and the success he's had um, and the experience, I think you're entitled to voicing your opinion the way you deem you'd like to. So that's how I perceive it. That's how I see it. They're clearly down, have not been as good as past Carolina teams. And uh, that's led to frustration and uh, some comments that, uh, that have, had some folks scratching their head, but I just look at it as, as Roy being candid and honest about um, who his team is, how he's not maybe coached them as well as he would like, and um, owning that. Yeah. yeah, well, there's just such a high standard there, high expectations, and they're, uh, they've just lost some tough ones. They're right there at the end, and it just doesn't go their way. So it's, it's been interesting to see. Uh, another coach and team and program that, that is kind of underachieved and, and to me, it's surprising because it's a younger coach, Shaka Smart, goes out to Texas, gets the, you know, the big opportunity, the big deal. 
but but it hasn't really clicked out there. Are, are you surprised by that? And and what do you see as maybe the the disconnect between Texas and Shaka Smart and not really getting to that next level that that I think many thought they could get to? Yeah, you know, I really have great admiration and respect for Shaka. I know him fairly well personally and have, again, tremendous respect for him and want to see him do well. I think it's similar to what can happen with a player at a particular school. It just doesn't seem like the fit has quite been as good as one would hope. Mm. Uh, He went there, obviously, with a reputation for success at Virginia. Um, Commonwealth had done it a different way with different types of players, not necessarily four- and five-star players, but players that were a notch below that but achieved and got better and were able to have success in the league they played in and then in the tournament. Whereas in his time at Texas, he's had a number of high-level, actually pro players, but they haven't stayed very long. True, He's lost a number of guys to the um, – one-and-done phenomenon, which is what happens when you recruit players that, one, have that ability and then desire to make good on it as soon as they can. Mm. So that takes a while. That, that, that takes um, a little air out of any kind of momentum you might build, particularly when you're trying to establish yourself in a new place at a new program. So I think it's a combination of those, those things. And I think Shaka would perhaps mention that as well, that it's a little different animal from where he came to where he is now in terms of the types of players he was able to get and the challenges and differences that come with three and a half star recruits that are hungry and maybe have a bit of an edge versus four to five star recruits that may even have mindsets of entitlement and are looking ahead to the NBA right away. There's some real interesting dynamics to that type of equation. I think that's been part of what's um, unfolded with Shaka at um, Texas. Yeah, and it kind of points to what you were saying earlier with you know the the Baylor's and the San Diego States and kind of how they've built their programs. Uh, it's that's kind of what's working right now. So that's that's the difference where you don't have to necessarily worry as much about guys leaving. So uh, yeah, I'll be, yeah, I'll be, no, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be curious what yeah kind of Texas and smart decide to do moving forward but uh but one one coach and and program that's really doing well this year top 10 program uh is Florida State and Leonard Hamilton and in some ways he's kind of underrated in what he's been able to do and and just kind of the longevity uh down there and, and really Florida State in the ACC continues to be such a competitive team uh what do you make of kind of the job that that Leonard Hamilton has done and the type of coach that he is and and what he represents uh, just as a head coach at Florida State? Yeah, you know, the public perception and the trajectory of a coach's career is really interesting. Um, with Leonard, he has been really undervalued and underappreciated until now. Yeah. And I think it's great that folks are beginning to recognize the quality of coach he is and the way he develops his young men. Uh, the vast majority of the players that have played for him have graduated and just as importantly have enjoyed success on the court and have handled and comported themselves well off the court mm. in every way. And that really is a great measure of what a coach is about. You're teaching, you're molding, you're shaping, and clearly there's the expectation that you're going to win and have a chance to compete for championships. And because Florida State has had some nice tournament runs here recently and good runs in the ACC, I think more and more people are recognizing 
um, who and who Leonard Hamilton is and what he's about. And he's got a team, Bryce, this year that could win it. I yeah. mean, they're deep, they're athletic, they play hard, they defend. They've got shot makers. I mean, they've got all the ingredients. They've come short a couple of times. So I think they'll be knocking on the door really pretty hard to get to Atlanta. Um, but I've known Leonard. He recruited me when he was an assistant coach at Kentucky back in the late 70s. Oh, wow. And it's been great. Yeah, yeah, it's been great to watch him have the success he's had. You know, he kind of rebuilt the program at Oklahoma State way back in the mid-'80s, uh, took Miami from really non-existent as a basketball school in the late-'80s to being championship caliber in the Big East way back in the day. Hmm. Um, detoured briefly to the NBA and then re surfaced at Florida State and has had a phenomenal run there over the last, um, I guess it's 18, 19 years now. Wow. Um, but I've got great, great admiration and respect for him. And uh, I just think he's uh, mission-minded. He's always been not one to blow his own horn. He's really shunned the spotlight yeah. in many cases. And just now starting to um, step into it a little more for the benefit of his program and his team, we actually did something with him on CBS Sports, uh, one of our Men of March profiles. Mm. And I was the guy who got a chance to interview him, and they've already just been running on CBS Sports Network all season long. But it's really a nice look at who Leonard is and, and what he's about and how revered he is by his, his staff, his um, players, and also the community in which he coaches. He's, uh, he's quite a gem. Ah, oh, that that's great. Yeah, it just it seems like such a, a humble guy, and uh, so yeah, I just want, I was just curious, kind of your thoughts on him because him and Florida State just kind of jumped out to me this year as uh, just a program to keep an eye on and, and give some some love to. So uh, appreciate that for sure. Well, Clark, we always love talking basketball and hearing your analysis, but but also love talking faith, and and I know that uh, you're always very involved with with different ministry opportunities, and so was just curious, maybe. What, what are you uh, most passionate about in the moment? What, what are you involved with right now from a, from a ministry service standpoint? Well, you know, it's always been connected to sports. Once I became a Christ follower back in 1986, Bryce, um, sports and my faith have been hand in glove. As a matter of fact, my faith drives that equation now where in years past before coming to faith in Christ, um, it was the sports that was driving my life. Mm. Um, so I stay connected to sports-related ministries, Athletes in Action, and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, I stay connected to those ministries through supporting some of the boots on the ground in terms of um, huddle leaders and um, missionaries that are doing work to use sports as a vehicle to bring people to faith in Christ. Um, I'll speak on occasion at some of the events that those organizations put on. But quite quite honestly, right now, um, I've been really seeking to uh, develop my own personal friendship with the Lord mm. to greater degree. And uh, my wife and I have started to walk through the purpose-driven life again. We went through it early in the 2000s and just felt a need to kind of refresh ourselves and in purpose and where it starts, and, and it starts with, with who God is and who He says we are and um, how He shows His love for us through Christ. And um, that really is what should drive your foundational purpose. And so I've been really seeking to just personally grow in, the, in that friendship and relationship with the Lord so that as I interact with people, as people see me, 
and experience me, they experience the Lord mm. in my words, in my in my countenance, the way I engage myself in in, in, in things and with people, and really just want to be a. I just want to reflect, resemble, and represent who Christ is in me mm. in, in every setting and, and circumstance. So uh, marinating on the word, uh, seeking to go deeper in understanding the word and how to apply it in my day to day and things uh, large and small. It's a journey. It's a process. Yeah. Salvation is a, is a, is a one-time choice when you accept Christ as Lord and savior, but he's always working in us to will and act according to his good pleasure, according to the scriptures. And so that's what I'm seeking to do, Bryce. Man, I, I love it. Well, and you mentioned the word friendship, your your friendship with the Lord, and and I love that. I'm I'm actually reading a book right now called Identity, and and one of the the mm-hmm. cha- are you familiar with it? Um, no, I just identity is a huge element in terms of who we are in Christ as as Christians. So I mean that identity word always resonates with me whenever anybody mentions it. Yeah, well, and specifically one of the the chapters or part of the the chapters was about understanding that God calls us friend and you know the amazing aspect of it but but also just what that relationship kind of represents and so when you say you're building your friendship what is that what does that that mean to you and just really kind of I don't know unpacking that word even more that God is our friend what what does that mean to you yeah you know it's um, multifaceted and multi-layered obviously God is the creator of the universe and through Christ, we have access to God by faith. That's right. And God gave us an opportunity to know him and to relate to him spirit by spirit because of his love for us and his desire to have relationship with us. And that relationship is master, Lord, but also friend. And it's built on trust both ways. It's built, built on obedience. It's built on candor. And this is all stuff that's been refreshed in my reading through, as my wife and I have started to walk through the purpose-driven life, there's a lot of talk about, um, and a number of chapters that talk about developing the friendship that God has given us the privilege to have with Him, mm. and how you develop that is through spending time with, with God, mm. through His Word and meditation and focused thinking and prayer and fellowship, and so that has resonated powerfully um, with me to uh, see it in that light that it's uh, clearly Lord surrendering, yeah. surrendering um, myself fully to God in a relationship that's uh, foundations on faith and and and, and God desiring um, friendship with me. Mm. Yeah, it's it's powerful, and and I, yeah, I'm with you. I I needed that reminder uh, recently, and it it just made a difference for me. Just thinking, man, I just God wants us to enjoy being with Him, and kind of like how we enjoy being with our friends. We just want to hang out. We just want to be together. You just want to you know yeah. experience life with friends. Well, that's yes. what that's what God wants us to do with Him to enjoy life with Him, and um, when we get that and remember that, it's powerful stuff. Uh, the, one other thing you you mentioned is the idea of marinating on the word, uh, and I like that word marinate. I think that's a, a good descriptive word. What what does that mean to you when you're when you're studying and, and spending time in the word to really marinate? What does that look like? Well, it's allowing the word to water my thinking, to water my heart, to water my soul, and it's a good picture for me. I mean, 
the creation needs sun and rain to grow. And when I sit around, when I see the rain falling and what it does to, to grass and to trees and to plant life, mm. um, I think about that's what the word will do to me from the inside out as I let it pour on me and in me and through me and to me. Um, and I have to be intentional about um, not only reading it, but then wrestling with it a bit, mm. thinking about it, um, meditating on it, uh, looking at different translations of scripture, uh, paraphrasing it in my own mind so I can communicate it to um, both believers and non-believers if I have opportunity mm. to speak around what God's Word is saying to me and how it's impacted my life. So that to me is what marination is. It's um, a submersion, it's a watering, it's a submersion, uh, it's an engagement with that Word that is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. Mm. That Word that... Um, you know, penetrates the dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, that word that judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart, that word is alive. And um, to allow it to be alive in me requires that it, it uh, have a place in me and that it water my heart and my thinking. Mm. And so um, marination is all of that mm. uh, for me personally. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, well, Clark, you also said that you, you're going through the, the purpose-driven life with your wife. And for, for guys listening, sports fans that, that are listening today and, and they're wondering, okay, I, I know that I want to you know, spend time in the, in the Word with myself and studying and growing personally and in, individually, but, but what's the role as a husband to also study and grow with our wives? What, what's something maybe you've learned and, and the value that you've recognized in, in going through, whether it's a book or a, a, you know, a chapter of the Bible or whatever it may be, with your wife? Um, you know, it too is multifaceted, but I think it's, um, it's symbolic of the relationship that we desire to have with the Lord. I mean, it's a friendship. It's a covenant. Mm. That's what marriage is, and I would hope and pray that for those that are married, that there's a friendship component to your, the life you have with your spouse. There's a mutual degree of trust. And when you actually are doing things together, it need not be complicated. And sometimes I think we tend to complicate it when we think about um, our spiritual growth and our personal growth and professional growth. No, it's foundationed on our spirits being alive to God and that that permeates everything. Mm. And so when we go, my wife and I enjoy games, word games, words with friends and Scrabble and other fun game competitions. We can be um, worshiping there, enjoying each other, enjoying God's creation, and spending time talking about and thinking about what God says about how we should live. And sometimes books like The Purpose Driven Life give us an opportunity to um, intentionally deal with some of the questions and, and issues that we might be wrestling with either individually or together and to allow God's perspective to to take hold and, and to recalibrate us. So for me, uh, I've had periods of fits and starts where um, I've been better in that time with my wife than others, but I'm mindful of, of seeking to continue to, to, to nurture that. And this is just one, one dimension. And we both were, were sensing in our own spirits that we wanted to have more direction and, and direction that's foundationed on, on the scriptures as opposed to what, perhaps others might think we should be doing or what 
we think we should be doing as uh, a couple that's been married almost 37 years that has three adult children and mm. a couple of grandchildren. I mean, season of life causes you to start to think and see things differently and, and to want to uh, have more of who God is and, and wants to be in your life to be, to be real. And mm. it, it takes some commitment and work to try to try to move in that direction. So that's, that that's how I kind of um, look at it and and, and embrace it. Um, it's um, rich, it's some um, work, but it's extremely rewarding. The more that my wife and I can um, develop our friendship with one another, as we're developing our friendship with the Lord. Mm, amen. No, that's encouraging. Re- really appreciate that, Clark. And as we wrap things up, uh, last thought: you, you mentioned your your three grown children. How many grandchildren and, and kind of what, what is the, the, the state of the Kellogg family right now? What's something that, that you're most excited about or even something that you're, uh, you're wrestling with as a, as a family? Well, excited really about the joy of being grandparents. I mean, it's a joy like no other. The best I can come up with is indescribable joy. We have two three-year-old granddaughters oh. who actually were born a, a day apart. Wow. Um, our daughter, our daughter and her husband gave birth to, to Zuri um, back in 2016. And the next day, my oldest boy and his wife gave birth to Eden. Oh. And my oldest son, yeah, yeah, it was unbelievable. Man. 25 hours apart. Oh. It, was a, it was a high and a feel good like um, I can't describe. I mean, we were exhausted, but we were um, overjoyed as well. And uh, they're now three and um, Alex, my oldest son, and his wife are expecting a, another another one, a little boy, in April. Um, so we'll, Lord willing, we'll have um, have our third grandchild here um, not long after the final four, if the ETA is accurate. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and then our youngest son is not married and playing basketball. But see, but the family's doing well. Blessings and challenges is often how life unfolds, and um, we've got more than our share of blessings. And there always are speed bumps and challenges that are, that are part of growing but um by and large uh, my family is is doing well doing well uh-huh. we're, we're grateful great great to hear that's that's awesome very very exciting wow back-to-back days that's a i don't know if i've ever heard that that's pretty cool with, with two of yeah, your kids it happens in different ways but yeah it yeah pretty pretty cool and um it's, it's nice all of the kids are close by Oh, good. Um, so we get to see them quite um, quite regularly. Actually, one of the granddaughters is here now. She had a little a little illness, so she wasn't able to go to school. So it's kind of nice to be around to, to help out our daughter and son-in-law. With uh, And it's always a treat whenever we get to have our little granddaughters uh, just with us, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well I'll, I'll let you get back to, to hanging out with her, and uh, that sounds fun. And, and we'll be looking for you uh, the next few weeks as the, the regular season wraps up in college basketball. And then, of course, March Madness, it's coming. So keep, uh, keep Charles and Kenny in line, and, and we'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll enjoy, enjoy watching. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to it, man. It's always a great, great three weeks. And I love the build up to it as we get into March and um, all the speculation and the conference championship week and all of that stuff is uh, great, great fun. So enjoy as you're watching us. And as a matter of fact, you might get tired of seeing us because we'll be there um, 24-7. That's right. Um, as, the, as the tournament unfolds. 
No, I, I always love it. I love watching the games, and then I can't wait to to hear the reaction uh, after the games. So, uh, so it, it, it's <laughs> a blast. It. But but love love having you on the show, and, and always appreciate you joining us. So so thanks so much for being a part of unpacking it today, Clark. Yeah, a pleasure, Bryce. God bless you, man. Keep on keeping on. All right. Thanks so much. There's Clark Kellogg joining us here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. That's an awesome guy. That that was great. I mean, he, he is one of my favorite guests, and, and I say it about a few guys, but he's right up there. And uh, love, I've had him on, gosh, multiple times over the years. And you just hear the genuine faith, the wisdom, the humility. It just it comes through, and it just seems like the real deal. And I really do love watching him on TV. And I was going to ask him, but I didn't get to it, but I, I – I have to wonder what his approach is like to the dynamic of... So here's Ernie, Kenny, and Charles doing the the NBA all the time and together, and they've got this great chemistry. And then, come March Madness, they show up and infiltrate Clark Kellogg's scene because Clark Kellogg is the college basketball guy. Seth Davis... um, you know those guys are they're they're the college basketball experts analysts and I love the way that they that CBS does it where you bring in Charles and Kenny and Ernie because let's face it they're they're the best team in sports when it comes to broadcasting uh, I would argue that you'll hear me talk about that all the time on this podcast but but then you you add those guys to Clark and Seth Davis and now all of a sudden you've got the entertainment you've got the you know the the actual analysis because Clark is in college basketball all year long, and he's fun, and he he works well with those guys, and he he really does have to keep them in line. I mean, it's funny the dynamic is fantastic. So I I, I love the coverage, and it it makes the entire month just great. Like because you can watch a ton of games, which I do, but then it's nice to hear guys like Charles, who let's face it, he's watching it the same way we are for the. He hasn't watched every one of these. He's not watching San Diego State every week, I promise you. And, and I'm not either. But he's responding. He's reacting to what we're seeing and the big plays, the buzzer beaters, you know, the upsets, all that kind of thing. He's basically just a fun fan that's on TV uh, with a great personality. And then you complement that with Clark Kellogg, and you got a great mix. And then Kenny's he's, he's, he's always awesome. And then Ernie directs traffic. And they do have Greg Gumbel in there as well. I, I'm a Ernie Johnson fan, so I always say just keep Ernie in the chair. But uh, but anyway, it, it's great. So I love Clark Kellogg, and I mean from a spiritual standpoint, so many great nuggets to to take away, and just to hit home again, the concept of God inviting us into a friendship, and 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 it's not that we take the relationship you know lightly or hey what's up bro like it's i don't think it's that type of attitude it's the the attitude of a friend is loyal fun to be around um you want to tell them what's going on in your life and you want to share you know all the 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 details and you know i was with a good buddy of mine that i've known since high school this week and there's a a comfortable feeling when i'm with him you know it's just like i can we can talk about anything 
we, I know his, I know where he's been, where he's going, and I've been a part of the journey, and he's been a part of my journey. So we can just have those conversations, and I think those are the elements that we can implement into this relationship that we have with God through Jesus. That there's that the friendship piece of the puzzle, and and so it's not like we go all in on friendship. There's still he's the father too, so we have to re- we have to recognize that, and dads that are just your friend that's not always the answer either there's the fatherly advice and discipline and and so god represents that so we can't for one we can't put god in a box his character is indescribable and it, there there are so many aspects to his character but we get to enjoy so many elements of of who he is but it requires us spending time with him pursuing him and and just resting in him and and getting away from everything else and not being distracted and really listening and and sharing and and just like in a friendship we can't always just be the one talking all the time we got to listen to our friends right i think that that piece of it too so I, I love what clark had to say about that and then the idea of marinating and i thought his his description on that was really cool too so hope you were inspired encouraged challenged by that conversation and and of course some good insight from a college basketball standpoint and Honestly, I I watch a little bit of college basketball. I follow Duke pretty closely and try to catch as many games and you know a decent amount of Duke action during the season. A few ACC games here and there, uh, but then March is when I really go all in. I mean, I'm, I watch a ton of games. When I when I was saying that I base my calendar, Jody knows when we got married when we, when we were engaged was her first experience with March Madness, but. It's like, hey, this is this is kind of what March looks like. <laughs> uh, we'll still spend time together. We'll still find, hey, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, I'm all yours. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then we got some games to work in the mix. So it's a fun time, uh, but I, I love it. So great to catch up with Clark Kellogg. Hope you enjoyed that as well. Uh, we always want to prioritize our wives. Don't 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 hear me otherwise. But uh, but college basketball in March. I just I keep an eye on it. I always want to be in position. I want to be in front of the TV or at least have access to the TV no matter what we're doing. So even if we go out to dinner or whatever, we're hanging out. Oh, okay, there's a good game. Let me go catch the end of this game so I know what's going on. So that's my that's my approach. So <laughs> anyway, have a great one. Thanks for listening. It's the Unpacking It podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. And we will talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.